Um, so let's, uh, let's prepare our hearts to hear the word of God. Um, I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 16, uh, verses 13 through 18. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 through uh, 13 through 18, excuse me, says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea of Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you and we praise you for this opportunity that we have once again to look at your word. Father, I am praying today that you will use all of me to clearly communicate the insight and revelation in this text. And Father, although I'm praying for you to use all of me, I am praying that it is not me that your people see. It is not my wisdom and knowledge that they receive, but may it be your power and your glory and your life-changing word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 The title of this sermon is A Church Without Walls. Can you say that a church without walls? A church without walls. So, so you know me. If you know me, I I love telling stories. And for me, I've, I'm a church kid. I grew up in church my entire life. I was born all the way back in 1981. Amen. Amen. Some of you are like, yeah, whatever. That's cute. Ha ha ha. But 1981 years ago, and from the time I was born, I uh, church has been a significant part of my life. Some of my best childhood memories are about Sunday mornings, getting up every Sunday morning. In my house, Sunday mornings was an event. It started with my father turning on church music, usually with somebody like the Winans or the Soul Stirrers or some of those old, old, old gospel quartets. And we would start off the day listening to music, having breakfast. Then my dad would go and take take us to the car wash to get the car nice and shiny before we went to church. Amen. Every single Sunday, but somehow, some way, my mother was always making us late for church every single Sunday with like, it was like clockwork. I don't know how she managed to be late every Sunday, but she was late every Sunday for church and we would drive to church and now we get to church and it was a beautiful experience. All of my cousins and family members were there. It was like a family reunion every single Sunday and we would worship, we would praise. I remember songs like, you know, we would, would start service off, you know, we're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching to Zion, that beautiful city of God. And from there we were going to come, let's magnify the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. Come, let's magnify the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. And then we would go all the way to Hosanna, blessed be the rock. 
Blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna. Blessed be the rock. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Then we sing, he has made me glad, he has made me glad, I will rejoice for he has made me glad, he has made me glad, oh, he has made me glad, I will rejoice for he has made me glad, lift Jesus higher, I'll stop right there, amen, okay, I can keep going and going and going and going and going and going, but Every single Sunday morning, we would get there at 9 a.m. The, the choir would march on in. The pastor would to come in. We would sing. Then we would be there from 9 a.m. All the way, man, all the way until like sometimes maybe like 2 o'clock, you know, 2 o'clock maybe. And then we would be blessed. We would get to go home to have some lunch. And I was like, yes, I get my whole Sunday just to get dressed and go back to church all over again for evening service. Anybody remember evening service? Amen. And then after the evening service, we would have evening Bible studies. I'm like, can we get a break? Can we, can we get a break? But, but, but that was church to me. That was every Sunday like clockwork. And it was such a significant part of my life and who I am today. About two years ago, we had something happen in this world that challenged a lot of things. It challenged us on a lot of different levels. From a relational level, it challenged us. From an economic level, it challenged us. In our mental capacity, it challenged us spiritually. Because for many of us, my experience as a child, coming to church every single Sunday was a part of our tradition. And for two, about two years ago, we were no longer able to come to church. We were no longer able to come and do what we are doing right now. And many people said that the church was over. The church doors are closed. The church, church is over. But you see what they didn't understand is that the church was never about the building. The church had nothing to do with the building. The church was not about the four walls that we have. It was never about that. Now, unfortunately, there are times where we have made it about something that it was never meant to be. I love lights. I love cameras. I love instruments. I love microphones, as you can tell. I love microphones, amen. I love benches. I love, I love the screens and the graphics and the light shining behind. It's a beautiful presentation, but can I tell you, that that is not where church is. You all have been studying the book of Acts, um, really going back to Easter. And I've been so encouraged just to watch your live stream services and to hear. I talk to Pastor Tom every single week, so I know where you all are in the journey of the passage. But, but what I love about Acts is that we get an opportunity to see the birthing of the church. 
we get an opportunity, a first-hand encounter, to see one of the most important things that we all have been impacted by. We know that Jesus came down here on earth for two reasons. One, to atone for our sins, to die for the sins of all humanity. But the other reason he came to this planet, to earth, to this world, is so that he can establish the church. And then we see the apostles continue to move what he established forward. I heard Pastor Tom preaching last week about about the challenge being unstoppable because there's a lot of adversity that comes when you are doing what God is calling for you to do. But the early apostles, the early church did not allow that to deter them from fulfilling their assignment. And here we see in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came. We, we, I know you know about the Holy Spirit showing up on the day of Pentecost. Why? To equip them and empower them to do what we all should be doing. And that's not just having church. That's being the church. It's so interesting to me. See, in, in my culture, there are certain things that we say that it's just a way we say it. And we, it's, a, it's a habit. You know, there are certain people that can come to a church and you know they're going to be all fiery. You know that they're going to be all, they're going to sing and they're going to scream. And you go, oh, man, when so-and-so is in the building, you know we're having church today. Well, we're going to we're going to have church. Anybody heard that before? We're going to have church. Man, we had church today. What does that even mean? Church is more than a feel good moment. Church is more than something that makes the hairs, you know, raise up on the back of your neck. Church is more than goosebumps. No. Church is you. And you. You. And you. In the Bible, the word church is a translation of the Greek term ekklesia. Which means a called out assembly or congregation. In the New Testament, there is no temple, no synagogue, no building, or any other structure that was ever called the church. The church always referred to the assembly of the people. When we look in Acts, we saw all of them come, the men and women come together under the teaching of the apostles and that they sold their goods. They came to, they were the church. I was driving through Rutland or I can't remember. I think it may have been Spencer the other day. And I was driving um, to drop my children off at a, a, at a, at a, a pool party, a birthday party. And as I'm driving down the street, I see this sign that's caught my eye. It was this banner on the road in this empty lot. And it said, a church without walls. Meeting here every Sunday at 9 a.m. And I was so like, whoa. There are people who are literally not allowing, not having a building to get in the way of having church because they realized that they are the church. The assembly of the brothers and sisters in Christ, you are, can you say I am the church? Can you say I am the church? We are having church today. Say that. We are having church today. 
because I am here. We are having church today because I have arrived. When I showed up, the church showed up. This building is beautiful, but it's not the church. It's not the church. When we look in the Bible, we see a few different kinds of church. There's two different kinds of church. There's the local church, and we see that that's that's more of a specific geographical location like Galatia, Corinth, or, or, or Ephesus. But then we also hear the universal church, the, the larger church, and that is the, the, the collection of believers in Jesus from all times and all places, both Jews and Gentiles. The church is the best of Christ. It's a group of people unified under Christ who represent him to the world. That is the church. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 6 talks about the unity and maturity in the body of Christ. It highlights this image of of, of there being one body with many parts. One body with many parts. We know that Jesus is the head of the church. But can I tell you? You are a part of that as well. Who built the church? Who builds the church? Huh? No. Okay. Usually if you say that's the trick is Jesus. Jesus builds a church. Jesus is the head of the church. It's not me. It's not you. It's not Pastor Tom. Jesus is the head of the church. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 16 verses 15 through 20. I'm going to read this one part. It says, and I tell you. I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. I will build my church. I, being Jesus Christ, will build my church. On what? On the rock. The word the rock was translated from Selah. The Hebrew word is Selah, which means truth. On this truth, the truth of who he is, the truth on what, of what he did, on the truth of the gospel, Jesus builds his church. Now, although Jesus is building the church, we play a role because we are a part of the body. You, you, don't, you don't get to just come and sit and not participate. No, you are a part of the body. What if, I know that the Bible talks about the different functions of the body. What if your arm said today, I don't feel like being an arm. I want to be an ear. Or what if your eyes just today decided, I just don't feel like doing any, I don't, I'm tired of you looking through me all the time. What if your ears decided, listen, I'm sick and tired of hearing all the noise and I'm, I'm shutting it down today. Do you know how dysfunctional your body would be? Do you know how frustrated you would be with your body? If your foot decided just to be asleep all day long? Just because it would look, you would look ridiculous. Well, can I tell you that sometimes when we don't take on our part and our role in the body of Christ, that I believe that God gets frustrated with us as well because we were created to do a certain thing, to be used in a certain way, 
to help draw people to the church, to to help draw people to Christ. And we come and we just sit and we watch everybody else do their function, but we're not willing to do ours. The same way you get frustrated when your foot falls asleep when you sit down too long. There are some of us, our part in the body has begun to fall asleep. Can I tell you it's time, it's time to wake up? It's time to wake up. Can you, can you hit your leg? Hit your, hit your leg. Hit your, say, it's, it's, wake up. It's time to wake up. It, it's time to wake up. It is time for the church to wake up. You have a role. What role do you play? What have you been called to do? What gifts have you been given? What stories have you been given to share with others? What is your testimony? Are you sharing your testimony? Are you sharing the, the victories that you have been, uh, God has given you? Are you sharing the miracles that God has blessed you with? Are you sharing the, the chains that he has broken over your life? What God has done for you should not be a secret. The world needs to know. The world needs to know. I'm going to spend the rest of my time this morning answering this question. We know what the church is. We know who's the head of the church. But what does the church do? What does the church do? In Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, I'm going to actually read the text. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be answering the question, what, what are we as the church supposed to do? The, the, the first thing. The first thing that, that the church is here for is the teaching of the word of God. The teaching of the word of God. Listen, one of, my th- one of the things my grandfather said to me years ago is that one thing that will never change is God's word. He says, the, the, you know, because he, 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 my grandfather is a preacher. I shared this with you before. He's like 87, 88 years old right now, and he is preaching. If I talk, if, I, if he were to come up here right now, he would preach circles around me. I mean, he would just be preaching. He's 87, 88 years old. But one of the things that he is so passionate about is that although we live in a very changing world, the one of the things that never changes is God's word. And that he believes that, that, that there is life-changing power in the word of God, as we all should. Amen? Pastor Tony Evans has a quote. It's this quote that I love. It says, you cannot grow beyond what you know. You cannot grow beyond what you know. Which means that as the body of Christ... This church that we are a part of, 
what we know, what we are being taught, what we are being fed is so important. Because if we don't grow beyond what we know, if we're not learning anything, then we are not growing. And I believe that anything that God has created has the one assignment of growing. God doesn't create dead things. He doesn't create dead things. If you look at the smallest ant, the smallest cell, even cells reproduce themselves. We as people reproduce ourselves. The trees, the flowers, all reproduce themselves. If you don't believe it, just wait until the spring and your car will be covered with pollen. It will look like the Wizard of Oz. You're like, where did the yellow brick road come from? The world, anything that God has created was intended to reproduce, to grow. The word of God gives you that. Who's feeding you? Who is feeding you? This is something that was really important. I know who's feeding you or I know, I know Pastor Tom is a, is a phenomenal, phenomenal man of God. Not just in what he says, but in how he lives his life. So you all are blessed. Can we put our hands together for Pastor Tom? You all are blessed. And for the elders of this house, you all are blessed. And, and I sincerely mean that because I, unfortunately there are a lot of churches that are not as blessed. They can't, I can't say that they have men and women of integrity. That are feeding them. Who's feeding you? This became really important to me even during the pandemic. Because everybody just began to take their phones and just scroll. You can, you can go to 15 different church services if you want to. With a flick of a finger. I'm gonna, I, 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 go to, I go to this church at, at this time. And then I, I take my finger and scroll over to this live stream. To this other church over here. And then you know what? And I'm, I'm a part. We have people who are members of like 15 churches. And it's great. It was great. The pandemic was great because I, I believe that I believe that God used it to expose the gospel and, and share the gospel with people who would never come to the building. People, the, 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 the message of Jesus Christ was invading their homes, invading their cars. It was powerful. But do you know that I also understood the power of the local church? During that season, because it's one thing to stream and to hear someone say something to you. It's a very different thing to be a part of a community that when you're in the hospital, they can come and visit you. When you're having challenges in your marriage, they can come and visit you. When when, when you're going through tough and difficult times, your local church community can come and stand with you. There's a power in the church. But it starts with the teaching of God's word. The word, there are five, the word is five things, five things, five things. I don't have this on the slide, but there's five things that I want you to understand the word of God is. The first thing that got the word of God is, is alive. It is alive, which means it is a living seed producing faith and fruit. The word of God is alive, which means it is a living seed producing faith and fruit. We see in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. 
the word of God is not dead. It is as alive today as when it was first breathed into existence thousands of years ago. The word of God is alive. How do I know the word of God is alive? I know the word of God is alive is because, because when the word of God is applied into my life, it produces something that lives. But when you apply the word of God, it, it begin, it, it begins to, sh- to shift something. It, it's not a dead book. It is alive. The word of God is alive. Number two, the word of God is food. It's food, which means it is nourishment for the spirit. A couple of weeks ago, I talked to you a little bit about, about eating the cherries and, and eating the seed and every fruit that you eat has seed. You have to understand that your spirit, the Holy Spirit needs nourishment. And the nourishment that the Holy Spirit needs is the word of God. Matthew chapter four, verse four says, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. How many people are planning on eating today? Sounds absolutely like a ridiculous question, right? How many people are planning on eating tomorrow? If God willing, if you're still here, how many people are planning on eating more than one meal tomorrow? Okay. How do I want to phrase this? Why is it that we think that our physical bodies need daily nourishment in the form of food, but the spirit doesn't? Why do I say that? And this is, this is the pastor of me saying this right now. Okay. So, so this, I apologize if I step on any toes, you know, you know, forgive me in advance. Okay. But, but, but uh, growing up in church, I went to church every Sunday. It was a part of, it was part of what we did. I went to church as a child. I didn't have a choice. I didn't always want to go to church, but, but, but I understood the power because every single week there's this thing called daily bread that we are required to have. If your car, how many people are planning on filling up their car when it starts to run on E? You're going to probably put some gas in the tank, right? Well, the reality is that when you come to the church, when you look at the word of God, when you are taught the word of God, it actually does something. It feeds you. It gives you the fuel that you need to keep going. I don't know about you, but I I, I believe in fasting. But fasting is not my favorite thing to do. I'm just going to be honest with you. After about, after about day number one or two, man, I have a little bit of an attitude because I want some food. I, just, I want the food in my body. My flesh is saying it's time to eat. What are you doing to me? It's time to eat. Well, can I tell you that I believe that some of our spirits are doing the same thing when we pick and choose not, not to be in the presence of God, when we don't read his word daily, when we say, okay, we're only going to go to church every one or two weeks. Oh, let me, oh, I didn't mean to say that out loud. Sorry. Woo. When we felt, okay, I'll just, I'll just stream it. I'll just stream. No, 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 no. Your spirit needs to be fed. Not once in a while. Not once every two weeks. Not twice a month. Every day. Every day, every day. I, I love, you can put your hands together if you want. 
I love the story in the Bible when the children of Israel were in the wilderness and they were complaining about, about being hungry and not having, having food. And, and, and Moses was getting so frustrated with the whole situation. He goes to God and tell, talks to them about, talks to God about, listen, they're saying they don't have any, they, they have the audacity to say that they were, they had it better off, they had it better off, better off in Egypt because at least they had something to eat. God begins to do something. He, he opens the windows of heaven and he sends manna down for them to eat, right? You know, how many people know this story? How many people know the story of God sending manna down for them to eat? Did, did, did God send manna down once a week? No? Every other day? How, how often did he do it? Every day. And they were supposed to go. Yes, yes. Not every day. Okay, not on Sunday. So this is what happens. Were they able to keep the manna that they got yesterday? What would happen if they kept the manna that they got yesterday? More maggots and worms would begin to take it over and infest it. That's such a powerful picture. Because what that says to me is that we need, and what God was trying to teach them, was that, there are certain things that God provides that we need not just once in a while. We need it every day. We need God to be our provider every day. We need his presence every day. We need his word and his, we need it every day. We can't just carry over last month's word to today. No. Give us today our what? Our, our weekly bread? Our monthly bread, our, our Easter bread, our, 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 our Christmas bread. No, our what? Daily bread, which means that God knows that there's something that we need. We need a refilling. We need an outpouring. We need a refueling daily. And we find that in his word. Number three. The word of God is authority. It is authority, which means it does not change. There is none higher. It doesn't change. God's word is the final authority. God has the final. Can I tell you something right now? God has the final say on your life. His word is final. It's not just one of many opinions. It is final. He has the authority in your life. Number four, what is the word of God? Word of God is powerful, which means that it can transform you. How do I know this is true? Well, outside of the text where it says in Romans chapter one, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. That speaks alone. But for me, I know this is true because when I have read his word and I have applied it to my life, I have experienced incredible, powerful transformation. I would not be standing here in front of you preaching the word of God if it wasn't for the power of the word. I remember at my lowest point, I mean, I, I love music. I, I love songs. I love, I can memorize songs like that. But, but can I tell you, at my lowest point, I, I wasn't reciting any R&B song out there. No, 
No, I wasn't reciting pop songs. Nope. I wasn't reciting songs from, from random books that I have read. No. The song, the words that I was reciting was the word of God. When many of us get in trouble, when many of us get into, I mean, major trouble, we're not calling it. We all, all we, many of us only know one word. Some of us who don't even go to church, we know one word. All of a sudden we can say, Jesus, Jesus, get into a car accident. You see your life flash before your eyes. Whose name are you calling? Jesus. The word of God has power. It can transform you. I'm a living witness of this fact. Lastly, word of God is spiritual. It is spiritual, which means it is the truth from the realm of God. John chapter 6, verse 63 says, The spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The world, the words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. That is John chapter 6, verse 63. You have to understand that the word of God, one of the assignments of the church is to teach the word, but it is filled of life, of food and nourishment for your spirit, of authority, of power, and of the spirit. We need the word. And that is part of what we of the church have been called to do. And if the church isn't the building, and if you are the church, that means that you need to be filled with the word so that wherever you go, the word will be there as well. There are people in your family that need to hear the word. There are people in your community that need to hear the word. There are people, we know there are people in our job that need to hear the word. We know, we know, we know there are people in traffic (laughs) that need to hear the word. But if you are the church, and it is the responsibility of the church to teach the word, then you need to know the word. You need to know the word. You need to know the word. I want to end here with some of of these points. One, our responsibility when it comes to the word of God is first to learn it, okay, to learn it. Read it, learn it. Read it, learn it. The way we learn it is by memorizing it. All right. One of the things that I've done with my children recently is I have. um, So when I was on vacation. My kids, I realized how much my kids loved. I call it technology. They love my phone. They love my iPad. They love the TV. And at first it was okay, But then after a while, I was like, if you don't put my phone down. Like, do you pay my phone bill? No, they, they just are addicted to, to, to this, to these TV shows that are not filling them with anything of substance. And one thing that happened as I was sitting down in prayer one morning, God began to say, there are four areas that I need not only you to apply to your life, but I want you to make sure that you're applying to your children's lives because your first ministry is not the church. Your first ministry is your home. Just in case anyone who was wondering, anyone who was trying to be in any leader, a position of leadership, anyone who feels called to do anything significant within the church, the word of God says that this 
stage serving in different ministries is not your first priority. Your first ministry is your home. If your house is a mess, how in the world can God trust you with the house of how the homes of others? If your marriage is not in good shape, how in the world can God trust you with the marriages of others? But I digress. The four areas that he told me that I need to that we need to focus on every day is obviously the the spirit, the spirit. Then then it was the spirit, it was physical, which means our physical bodies, um, our imaginations, our creativity. Children, the saddest thing to me is that our children's imaginations and creativity are being stripped from them every single, I mean, younger and younger. Like, I, I, my child, my, my, I just, I love the fact that my children still like to have imaginary friends and, and start to, to just wrestle thin air. I, I love that. Because it means that their creativity, their imagination, they're seeing past what's right in front of them. And it's a powerful thing. And then the fourth thing was, was, was their minds, their brains, their intellect. Okay. So one of the things that I begin to teach with my kids is, is not just to read the word, but find ways to memorize the word. And the way we memorize the word is through song. Because my children are very musical. So we begin to walk down the street one day and we were walking around and, and having them memorize scripture and they begin to create a song. And by the end of the day, they memorize a passage of scripture like that, not just because of the words of the scripture, but because of the song that was connected to it. You have to not just read the word, but you have to memorize the word. You have to study the word. It has to be, it, you have to have a passage of scripture that is your passage of scripture. That if you don't, if you only know one, you have to have just one. That is yours, that you hold on to. Number two, learning the word, then you have to obey the word. Obey the word. A lot of us in this culture have a problem with this word obey. We don't want to hear this word obey. Obey means to follow the commands or guidance of, to conform to or to comply with. The word of God is not just for you to read, but in order for you to experience the true power in it, you must obey it. You must apply it to your life. You have to apply it. Otherwise, the 66 books in the Bible are just going to be good casual reading. The power is in you applying it, you obeying it. And when you learn the word, when you obey the word, then you will experience the growth that we talked about. You experience the growth, the transformation in your life. When you learn it, read it, memorize it, obey it, which means to follow it, then you will begin to grow. First Peter chapter two, verse two says this. It is like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. If you want to grow, if you feel stuck, if you want to grow spiritually, you need the word. That is your substance. That is your spiritual milk. That is what you need to grow. You need the word. Number four, my final point. Make kingdom impact. Make an impact. Make an impact. When I look at Mark chapter 11, one of my, I love the story in the Bible, Mark chapter 11, verses 12 to 14. It's a story of, of Jesus cursing the fig tree. And to summarize this, this, 
Jesus is leaving Bethany and he is hungry. Okay. And he sees this fig tree in the distance and he sees that, that it has leaves on it. And so he approaches the fig tree to get figs from it. But after he gets past the leaves, he realizes that there is no fruit. So what happens is that Jesus actually curses the fig tree and it withers and dies. How does that apply to where we are today when it comes to a church without walls and who we are as a church? When you study further this story, the interesting thing is that the figs that were supposed to be on that tree were actually not supposed to be there yet because it wasn't the season for them to have the figs. But they had the leaves and the leaves were supposed to be an indication of what was there. So from a distance, Jesus who was hungry from a distance he saw leaves which were an indication that they're supposed to be figs something that was supposed to feed him because he was hungry he approaches the tree just to find that what was supposed to be there was not there I believe that we are living in a day and age where there are people in the world that are coming to you and because you are the fig tree. And what I don't want to have happen is for them to approach you expecting to be fed because they're hungry. They're, they're spiritually hungry. They, they, they need to be fed. They have been sent to you. And they assume that you are the one because you go to church every Sunday and your leaves are showing ah, I got it I got it all together but when they approach you in their time of need and they get past the leaves I, I don't want them to see that there's no fruit The world needs your fruit. It needs your fruit. There are people in your families that need your fruit. But as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the way we get the fruit is through the seed. The seed is the word of God. The seed needs to be sown into you so that when hungry people come because hungry people are going to come when spiritually hungry people come I want for them to be able to push past the leaves and pick off the spiritual figs that are growing off of you it's time for us to be a church without walls it's time for us to not care just about the building. It's time to us to get back onto our assignments. 
Let's stand to our feet. Every eye closed, please. This is a moment between you and God. If this, the thing that God has been speaking to me is really about our responsibility as believers. And if you, this is just a you and God thing. If you know That if someone were to come to your tree today and push past the leaves, if you know that they would not find the fruit that's supposed to be there, but you want not to be cursed and not to wither up and die, but you want to not just look like you have it to actually have fruit to show that you have it so that you can feed those who are hungry and you know that you have been faking it just a little bit there are certain areas in your life that are not what they're supposed to be that's why I want every eye closed can you just raise your put your finger up raise your hand because I want to pray for you I just want to I see you I see you I see you I see you listen if we can't be honest in the presence of God where else can we be honest my hand is raised I just want to pray for you right where you are Father God I'm praying over your sons and your daughters today who have lifted their hands up because they know that in you there is the answer. They know in you is the source of all that they need. Father, I am praying right now that if there are any dead branches that are preventing us from producing the fruit that you have called for us to grow, Father, I'm praying right now that you will use this word to prune our trees. May you cut off the dead things. May you cut off the dead weight. Father, right now, I'm praying that you will allow the hurt, the pain, the unbelief, the doubt, the stress, the brokenness, to be removed right now in the name of Jesus. Any and everything that may be blocking us from producing the fruit. Will you remove it now? Please, Father, will you remove it now? Where there is brokenness, can you bring healing? Where there is, where there is sorrow, can you bring joy in our lives? Where there is unbelief, can you bring faith? Because we, we don't want to just come to church, Father God. We want to be the church. 
Jesus, we pray.